Blog Talk Radio.
all you movie fans out there. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Addict Headquarters. I'm extra excited about today's show, folks, because this episode deals with something very dear to my heart. That's why we began with Dave Barnes singing, All I Want for Christmas is You. Now, we call today's show, It Had to Be Christmas Again. It co-stars George and Lizette Bettinger, who will be reading the parts of Harry and Elizabeth Lawrence in a taped version of Chapter 1 from It Had to Be Us, the award-winning romantic memoir my husband and I wrote under those pen names, and that's being adapted for for the screen. We're very, very excited about that. Now, Chapter 1 deals with two special Christmases that started Harry and Elizabeth on the road to reconciliation after being estranged and divorced for almost 20 years. It's written in a he-remembers-she-remembers format, but I should mention that format is being changed by filmmaker Misha Zubarev during the movie adaptation. I'm so pleased to hear from Misha that the screenplay is written, the casting is completed, and the film is now in pre-production. And according to Misha, um, when uh, the information went out to actors, I guess it's called a casting call, he received 100 submissions for the lead roles. And uh, we're kind of being hush-hush uh, until everything has been completed. But it's it's just a thrill to know that um, the pre-production is, is going on. And I've heard that the actor who is playing Harry actually uh, sings and plays the guitar. So I think we can expect that there will be at least one musical number. Now, I um, will tell you a little bit more about um, the film adaptation after we hear from George and uh, Lizette uh, in this uh, uh, wonderful reading of Chapter 1. But I want to give a little background information about this talented couple. We're so grateful to George and Lisette for for doing this wonderful reading. And George, as uh, many of you know, is an actor, comedian, producer, writer, and director. He's won acclaim for his, his uncanny impressions, including Groucho Marx, George Burns, and the Three Stooges. Lisette is a versatile actress and soprano with a soprano experience at the Metropolitan Opera. The Bettingers have a passion for bringing back the golden era of radio, and they do that on the Mom and Pop Shop show, which airs on TuneIn Radio right there in Miramar, Florida, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. They are truly Mr. and Mrs. Showbiz to me. It's important to point out, though, that George and Lizette will be uh, showing more of their dramatic than their comic talents on today's tape because they're reading the bittersweet section of the book, and, of course, they're totally believable. This tape runs a little over 15 minutes, and it's followed by an oldie but goodie and very appropriate song performed by the great Tony Babino. And after the tape, we'll have time for more information about It Had to Be Us. So... 
sit back, folks, relax, and listen to It Had to Be Us, Chapter 1, as Harry and Elizabeth share what they remember about two Christmases way back in the 1900s. Chapter 1, our second beginning, Christmas Day, 1993, Harry remembers. Because it's Christmas, I must go to my daughter's house, even though Elizabeth will be there. Almost 19 years since we parted. The two years of our courtship and the 24 years of our marriage are still so vivid in memories. The love and passion we shared for most of those years will always be with me. Her dreams were my dreams because I loved her so. When the dreams began to fade at the end of our marriage, for reasons I could not or would not understand, we parted. I loved her so and wished for somebody better than me. When she did find someone else, I fell into a deep depression I told our children never to tell me anything about her, and they respected my wishes. At our daughter's house, Elizabeth doesn't look well. She tells me she is working 12 to 14 hours a day and has advanced in her academic career. I feel some satisfaction in having helped her obtain an education that qualifies for this kind of success. Still, I show my frustration by replying sarcastically, So what's new? I see she is taken back by my remark because of the remainder of one of her problems. I wish I hadn't said that. I never want to hurt her again. Oh, sure, she is concerned about the family. Her words do not seem true to me. Obviously, her career and persona are still most important things in her life. On my way home, I can't stop thinking of her and the way we were. The pain of seeing her again is devastating. Elizabeth remembers. Claire told me she asked her dad to come over on Christmas morning. She wondered if I would mind since I planned to stay all night at her house on Christmas Eve. I said, no, not at all. But the same old anxiety came over me anyway. What would Harry think of me after all these years? What would we talk about? Would I get a hug? But not necessarily in that order. I got up at the ridiculous hour of 4 a.m. to dress and put on makeup so I wouldn't look so bad when he arrived. He showed up around 8.30 in the morning. Hi, how are you, he asked, followed by, what are you doing now? I explained I was working long hours each day at my new job as a college vice president, to which he replied, oh, just like you always did. That hurt, but it gave me something to think about. While I was alone in the kitchen for a short time before he left, Harry came into the room and said, Never forget, Elizabeth. You're a survivor. Because he seemed so caring and dear at the moment, I knew he regretted his earlier harsh comment. I just had to hug him. 
and that one embrace warmed my heart as nothing had for 19 long years. I couldn't help remembering our good times together. I thought about how much I loved being close to him and about the tears I shed when he left me. During one of our last conversations before we parted, I remember telling him I thought we would never hug again. I would die. To be honest with myself, I couldn't figure the bad times either. I recall the night I admitted myself to an alcoholism treatment facility. Ironically, it was on St. Patrick's Day, not exactly the day I usually celebrated one of my favorite holidays. Harry had gone to the dog races. I refused to participate in He refused to participate in the program with me, claiming he couldn't get in touch with his feelings. This devastated me. I knew he was codependent and needed help too. It also reinforced my low opinion of myself because of my drinking, weight gain, and what I thought was the loss of Harry's love. I felt so alone. After the divorce, I was vulnerable and married again too, too quickly, and on the rebound. I know now this was not fair because I still had such strong feelings for Harry. However, my excessive guilt motivated me to try to make the best of a bad situation. I went into a kind of a trance-like existence in which I was easily manipulated. I repressed so much in order to survive. March 1994, Harry remembers. I hear from Elizabeth in March in a card expressing sympathy about the death of my mother who passed away in February. Because it's signed regards Elizabeth, I feel hurt by such coldness. My love for this woman has destroyed all my relationships with others these many years, so I harbor a deep resentment that she can go on as if nothing had happened in the years we were together. Oh, well, I have a good life. I play golf with my friends every day, watch television every night, and have all the money I need. No problem. Christmas Day, 1994. Elizabeth remembers... Again this year, my daughter told me she had invited her dad over for Christmas morning, and this time I really look forward to seeing him. But he didn't arrive until close to noon. Did he think I would have gone by then? When he came in, we were all playing Scrabble. He looked so good to me, but I was very worried about the scars on my face from a recent skin cancer surgery and how I would look to him. Later, he offered to take me back to my sister Bridget's house since our daughter was busy with Christmas obligations. While driving to my sister's, Harry told me he still thought I was the greatest person and that he felt that I had been a good part of his life. He even touched my hand at one point. This surprised and delighted me. He said he hoped I had no animosity toward him for the past because of he had suffered from his tunnel vision. When we arrived at my sister's place, he was just going to let me go in alone, but I said, you wouldn't let an opportunity like this go by, would you? We could cause quite a scene here. He agreed immediately, 
which proved his great sense of humor was still intact. We went inside together, much to the astonishment of everyone. I will be grateful forever to my brother-in-law for asking Harry a question I was not brave enough to ask. Are you still playing the dogs? Greyhounds. Harry'd answered, only a couple of times a year when Dottie and Will, my sister and brother-in-law, come to visit. That answer was the best Christmas present I could have ever received. It meant one of our major problems from the past was no longer there. It was a Merry Christmas indeed. Harry remembers. I must go to my daughter's home for Christmas, and Elizabeth will be there again. It will be easier to see her this time. I have hardened myself against my feelings for her. I have been so foolish these many years, thinking, hoping she might still care for me. She's a widow now. Could there be something between us again? No way. I tell myself, but uh, no problem. She looks better than last year. It seems she has retired and writes movie reviews. I hope she is happy in taking care of herself. I also can't help wondering if she possesses someone new. No, I don't want to know. When she needs a ride to her sister's, though hesitant, I volunteer. I feel the need to say a few things to her in private. Driving along with Elizabeth, I experience tender feelings for her as well as a hard need to get back to her. I just want you to know how much I admired your accomplishments when we were married, I tell her. She turns her head and smiles sweetly, so I continue. I remember how we used to love going to the movies together. You must really enjoy writing reviews. I want her to realize that at least I haven't forgotten her past. When we arrive at Bridget's house, we decide to pretend we are back together again in order to observe the shocked reactions of her sister and brother-in-law. It seems to work, and I feel a closeness with her again. However, while driving home, I reflect that she's given me no recognition of the good times we shared in the past. The end of December 1994, Elizabeth remembers... The next day I wrote Harry a note thanking him for driving me to my sister's and for the nice things he said about me. I also explained that I had no animosity toward him, only good feelings. I suggested that we go to dinner or a movie before I left for California. If he was interested, I indicated he would call me at our daughter's or at my sister's. A couple of days later, he phoned me, and we made arrangements to meet on New Year's Day. When Bridget asked me, what's all this with Harry? I answered, I really don't know. But I did realize it was impossible to hide my excitement and nervousness about our date. Harry remembers. I received a letter from Elizabeth a couple of days after Christmas. She thanked me for taking her to her sisters for the nice things I said to her. It was signed, Fondly Elizabeth. I decide to call her about dinner and movie suggestion, knowing I can come up with some excuse later. But then I think that fondly, hmm, she signed her, her note. Oh, what the hell? I'll go. New Year's Day, 1995. Harry remembers. On New Year's Day, we go to dinner in a small Italian restaurant. She looks so beautiful across from me. 
I think to myself, this will be our last meeting. She will go back to Los Angeles and marry someone else. Again, I will not have to see her anymore. Maybe if she did remarry, my love for her would finally die. However, the thought of her being with someone else again is unbearable. We discuss our two children and how loving they are with our grandchildren. We agree the hectic environment that they were raised in has not affected them severely. Elizabeth reveals to me a considerable tax problem that she can't resolve. At first, I find it hard to understand how a person with a salary like hers can get into such trouble with taxes. Then I remember how she used to borrow secretly from loan companies to pay tuition for students who couldn't afford to college. Still, up to her old tricks, probably. When we order dinner, I find out that she is now a vegetarian and ask crudely, are you in some kind of a California cult? I get an explanation, but I don't understand. She says something about not eating anything once had a face. (laughs) and then talks about various allergic reactions to all things. After dinner, we go to a movie. The comedy Dumb and Dumber seems appropriate for our situation. I want to hold her hand. This was something we always did during a movie, but I can't make the move. It would be like a promise I couldn't keep, and worse still, it might be rejected. Hearing Elizabeth's laughter in the movie makes me feel so good. After the movie, I want to take her someplace where we could lie down and just hold her for a while. Of course, I could not ask for that. That night, she tells me plans to leave on Friday. Her sister will be taking her to La Junta to catch the train back to Los Angeles. I think about asking her to let me take her down the night before so she can avoid the long drive on her departure day. Of course, my plan is to spend the night with her. However, I always love that aura of innocence in her personality that manifests itself in her trust of people, so I cannot ask her for what I believe would be a one-night stand. No problem. After all, my life is just fine now. I play golf every day with my friends, watch television, and have all the money I need. Elizabeth remembers. After treating the family to a New Year's brunch at the Holiday Inn, I went back to Bridget's house to rest and to get ready for dinner and a movie with Harry. It was hard to think of anything else the entire day. Even though I needed a nap desperately, I had stayed up all night at my daughter's to celebrate New Year's Eve. I couldn't sleep. Our dinner was delicious, but Harry seemed a bit upset over my vegetarianism and allergies. The movie, Dumb and Dumber, left a lot to be desired, but it was such fun to laugh again. I was disappointed when Harry didn't hold my hand during the movie, but afterwards, he was very solicitous to my footing in the snow and took my arm several times to steady me. It felt good. On the way back to my sister's, I suggested he might like to visit me in California sometime. I said he could sleep upstairs in my condo, and I would sleep on the couch downstairs. He shocked me with, I don't think I like those sleeping arrangements. I was speechless. Then he said, well, I suppose all the romance is over anyway. I composed myself a little and replied, it's never too late for romance. When I got to the door, I parodied a line from the movie we had just seen and teased, well, 
How about a big hug? He gave me one and made my day. January 3rd, 1995, Elizabeth remembers. To my deep disappointment, I hadn't heard from Harry since our date on New Year's Day. I decided to call him. I thanked him for the dinner, and I said I had a great time. He admitted that he did too, and asked me if I was going back to Los Angeles. I reminded him that my sister was driving me to La Junta on Friday. I then re-extended my invitation to him to visit, but I felt I was being much too aggressive. I was surprised when he seemed to like the idea. He said he had to finish his carport and some paperwork regarding his mother's estate. Then he would let me know when he could make the trip. I tried not to appear too excited to get my hopes up because I didn't want to be hurt again. Still, I couldn't help thinking of Harry all the rest of the time when I was in Colorado. When Bridget asked me if Harry had a girlfriend, I answered, I don't know. She said, why don't you ask him? I replied, because it's none of my business. But I really wanted to know myself. January 1995, Harry remembers. I receive a letter from Elizabeth thanking me for the dinner and the movie and inviting me out to Los Angeles again. She said I could attend some press screenings with her. The letter was signed, Love, Elizabeth. I interpret the love as a generic form of the word, but I call her anyway. I lie and I say I would love to come out, but I have a lot of responsibilities for the Senior Golf League and can't set a date at this time. In no way would it be possible for me to be in the same house she shared with someone else in the past. Knowing I would not go out there, I decided to tease her. I asked what, what are living arrangements would be like. She says she would sleep downstairs and I could sleep upstairs. What, no romance, I exclaim? She tells me anything is possible or something like that. I now have a problem.
has a big problem at the end of Chapter 1. You've been listening to George and Lizette Bettinger read from the romantic memoir by Harry and Elizabeth Lawrence that won first place in the ebook category at the Hollywood Book Festival a few years ago and is now being adapted for the screen. You also heard the great Tony Bambino perform one of Al Jolson's famous songs, which seemed appropriate at this point in the story. And if you want to find out what Harry does to solve his problem, as well as how a surprising Las Vegas romantic adventure impacts Elizabeth and Harry's lives, all you have to do is order the ebook at Amazon's Kindle store. And I think it's important to let everyone know about the extras we included in the Kindle edition. It includes over 20 reviews of Elizabeth and Harry's favorite romantic movies. Now, uh, Harry and uh, Elizabeth had to argue about which movies to include. It was kind of fun doing that, and they did come uh, come up with a, a list of movies that they both enjoyed. It also has some yummy vegetarian recipes, such as thumbs-up spaghetti. Now, why vegetarian? Well, remember, uh, Elizabeth won't eat anything that once had a face. And we also want everyone to know that when you buy this ebook, part of your money goes to a worthy cause because the author's royalties are donated to the Imagination Library, a children's literacy project sponsored by the Dollywood Foundation. I think that this romantic memoir would be a wonderful holiday gift for people who enjoy romance. And if someone wants to order the book but doesn't have a Kindle, there's a free application on Amazon.com that can be downloaded on any PC. It's a very easy app to download. Um, Most of you listeners know how technologically challenged I am, and even I could do it. I also want to thank Denise Casino, who published the Kindle edition and organized uh, the It Had to Be Us book launch back Back in 2010, way back in 2010, we even got to number one in one Amazon Kindle bestseller category that day, thanks to our uh, Movie Addict Headquarters listeners. We really, really appreciate it. Now, speaking of the movie reviews included in the Kindle version, this seems like a good place to read one of the reviews um, that uh, Harry and Elizabeth included in the extended edition. There there were, uh, as I mentioned, over 20, and there were movies like uh, It's Complicated, The Fountain, Serendipity, Kate and Leopold, and I think I'll read um, one of my favorites that's uh, included because it's, uh, it's about uh, Christmas. And uh, so many of you have probably already seen Love, actually, um, I think it's a perfect Christmas movie. So here's the, the review that uh, Elizabeth included uh, and one, one that she wrote for Love, actually. Romance, laughter, and tears blend seamlessly in Love, actually, a fast-paced movie about the agony and ecstasy of love as experienced by several colorful characters during the five weeks before Christmas. Don't worry, 
a large ensemble cast, which includes Hugh Grant, Colin Firth, Emma Thompson, Liam Neeson, Laura Linney, Kiera Knightley, and Alan Rickman, enhances rather than detracts from the film's universal love theme. You know, I've never been a fan of movies focusing on numerous characters. Even the highly acclaimed Magnolia and Shortcuts left me wondering what everyone was raving about. Lee became infatuated with Love Actually and actually fell in love with more than one of its characters. Fickle of me, I know, still. How could anyone resist Hugh Grant as an unmarried British Prime Minister who, after meeting an appealing new staff member, dances down the stairs when he thinks no one is watching? Or Colin Firth, playing a writer enamored of his Portuguese housekeeper and struggling valiantly to communicate with her. Or the great Alan Rickman as a boss trying not to cheat on his intelligent, charming wife of many years, played brilliantly by Emma Thompson, while being tempted by one of the sexiest executive assistants in filmdom. Or Liam Neeson, portraying a bereaved husband involved in his nine-year-old stepson's plan to win the girl of his dreams, or, well, you see what I mean. At the screening I attended, other members of the audience felt the same way. In fact, it's the first time I've heard people go, ah, out loud over a movie kiss. That happened when Colin Firth finally kissed his lovely housekeeper. And with the exception of a horror film, I've never heard viewers shout out, no, don't do that. But it occurred here when a character stopped making love to answer the phone. And that warning went to Laura Linney in the middle of her steamy scene with a younger colleague. Obviously, nobody wanted anything to interfere with this love-starved couple getting together. Well, those are the stories I became most emotionally involved in. However, however, others also held my interest, including one featuring Andrew Lincoln. Uh, he's now the lead in uh, uh, The Walking Dead on TV. Anyway, he plays a man stealing himself against strong feelings for his best friend's gorgeous wife, Kara Knightley, and another showcasing two surprisingly Shy body doubles, played by Martin Freeman and Joanna Page, uh, for sexually, sexually explicit movie scenes. Although everyone in this great ensemble cast is terrific, I think Emma Thompson stands out. And I was disappointed when she didn't get an Oscar for this role. She just had such a, gave such an emotional roller coaster performance here. Consider how in one scene she changes in the blink of an eye from crying just voluminous tears to expressing enthusiasm for a family outing. That was so impressive. And yet, I laughed the most at Bill Nye's antics as a faded and cynical rock star making a comeback with a ridiculous Christmas version of Love is All Around. I think Love Actually offers us a joyous reminder that love is all around. Not a bad message for the Christmas season, right? You're listening to 
Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker. She's the real deal in what's happening on film. And if you're not real careful, you might hear the confessions of a movie addict. So get your popcorn and stay right there in your seat for Movie Attic Headquarters. And now back to our feature. of a movie addict because that book of mine would make a fun gift for movie fans on your holiday shopping list. It's available on Amazon.com as a paperback and in the Kindle store as an e-book. Plus, Nancy's comments about show me the money are very important because my author's royalties for Confessions of a Movie Addict are donated to the Film Foundation. That's an organization founded by Martin Scorsese to help with film preservation. I think everyone knows that Nancy is the hilarious host of Comedy Concepts, which airs on Monday and Friday mornings at 10.30 Eastern Time right here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm absolutely hooked on that show. I like to end my week and uh, start out the week with Comedy Concepts and Nancy Lombardo. Well, uh, sorry to say, our time is about is almost up, and uh, I'm having a little bit of trouble with my voice, so we'll be ending the show a little bit early today. But I want to thank George and Lizette Bettinger for sharing their talents with us. We we just uh, are so appreciative of their uh, contributions to this project. Please check out their wonderful mom-and-pop shop show. It's filled to the brim with entertaining interviews, colorful characters, and great music. You'll love it. I promise you that. I'd also like to give another big shout-out to Denise Casino for her terrific work in connection with the publication and Kindle launch of It Had to Be Us. And special thanks to Diana Sanger and Lori Williams for believing in, in this book and publishing earlier versions, as well as to filmmakers Misha Zubarev and Vera Zubarev for their extraordinary dedication to this project, to Danny Dyer and Richard B. Smart for their technical magic, to Priscilla Leona, host of Question Reality, and Angela Drake Perry, as well as uh, Wacko Bob and all the folks at the Wacko Bob Network for their enthusiastic support, to Nikki Starr, our producer extraordinaire, for doing so, so much to make Movie Attic Headquarters possible, to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support, and to all our listeners for tuning in. We hope everyone enjoyed the show. And I'm going to give another shameless plug <laughs> because my latest book, Cinema Stanzas, Rhyming About Movies, uh, was just awarded second place in the poetry category 
at the Royal Dragonfly, Dragonfly Book Awards uh, event. I, I'm so excited and surprised about that. And that um, book is also available now uh, in the Kindle store at Amazon.com. It, it would make a wonderful holiday gift for movie fans uh, also. Well, that's all for now, folks. Here's the legendary Judy Garland to close the show with a lovely Christmas wish we're sending out to all our Blog Talk radio listeners. your heart be light. Next year all our troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the you a few more minutes so this encore is for you Larry Tucker
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.